I think for most of my life, I've always employed the check the exit scenario and like always have an exit strategy when I enter a place I'm unfamiliar with. Oh yeah, I'm, in, I'm fucking insane. <laughs> no, Karen, I literally was just having this conversation with someone yesterday that whenever this only applies to homes for me, but whenever I enter a new home or apartment, whether it's a friend's house or an Airbnb or whatever, I always think, where would I hide if someone came in to murder me? And you have the same thought? Similar thought. Yeah, I'm I'm mine is an escape route. Like, okay, if somebody comes through the front door, how can I escape? Like mine is always about the escape route. But yeah, very similar. Similar identifying in new arenas, especially in like high, like in public spaces. It's the first thing. It's the first thing I do when I get when I go into like a public site, like if I go to a concert and like all of that, like a new venue and stuff. Exits, exits immediately. I'm like, where can I get the fuck out of here if I need to? And quickly. Have you, oh, here's a question. Have either of you ever had to use an emergency exit because of an emergency? No. I've had people full a fire alarm and I had to go out an emergency exit from a library when I was a kid. I distinctly remember that, but I think it was an accident. So they just, it was just like part of the process. So they're like, make your way to the emergency exit. But Hilariously, it was just somebody leaned on the door and it set off the alarm. I don't think oh. I have. I have been in a job interview when they did a like quarterly fire alarm test. So I had to go and be a part of that company's like <laughs> fire drill situation. Uh, they're like, oh my God, I am so sorry. I didn't realize they were doing this today. We're middle of the interview. And I'm like, Whoops. So you're like, not a real fire. We're good. <laughs> we just want you to know that our company takes emergencies very seriously. Very, very seriously. And we, they want to see what you're like in a fire drill. That's one of the main things that they have on whatever right? job you, I don't know. Do you work there now? <laughs> no, I definitely you work like, on your emergency re- uh, reaction. Yeah. You get outside and there's just a man in the corner with a clipboard who just makes a check mark. Like, okay, she passed. Did she, did she bring any of her things with her? No. She Not emergency good. exited per she our protocol. Yep. Nice, nice, nice. Did nice. you guys ever have to do bus evacuation drills yes. at school? That was the first thing I actually thought of. I was like, no, but I remember doing bus evacuation drills every fucking year. And it was my favorite. It was everybody's favorite time. Like when you got to like oh. leave class to go out into like the parking lot and do a bus evacuation drill. Fuck yeah. There were two roles in bus evacuation that made you superior to all other students. One, you got seated in the side emergency doors. And then when they told you to lift, lash, latch and push, you were like this badass bitch lifting that red latch that you always wanted to lift your whole life while you're on the bus, but never could because you're actually riding it and you push it out. And then there was the person who got to do the back door and help escort you out. That was you, Karen that once and i felt like a fucking god amongst my peers oh my god the thrill but here's the thing they wanted you to sit and then jump but you just wanted to jump off the back of that bus but they said no put your bottom to the floor first and then safely exit the back of the bus 
Did you know that one of the res- part of the responsibility of being the person who opens the back the door, the actual back door of the bus, is you have you are then responsible to be the last person out of the bus. You're like the last student to to jump to do the- to make the jump. The only other person behind you is the bus driver. Yeah. Or one of the, like, parents. Guardians. Mm. Yeah. So that's the downside of being the person who opened the doors. You had to stay there while everybody else jumped off in front of you. And then you had to be the one that jumped off right before the adult. That reminds me. Can I tell you guys a secret? Yeah, of course. You know how on airplanes, and I was just on an airplane, the row where you're the extra leg room ex- emergency exit row, mm-hmm. the flight attendant comes up and says, blah, blah, blah. Do you give me, I need a verbal yes that you like consent to being in this row and helping in an emergency. And you, everyone always says yes, including, I've never actually but sat in that row, but I would say yes. But I know that I'm not actually wanting too or willing to help i'm just really betting on the fact that i'm not gonna get in a plane crash and the risk reward you, you know yeah you're just banking on the fact that that flight's gonna make it to its destination yeah it's i i it's not that i want anything bad to happen to someone but i know in an emergency situation it's nikki and nikki first that's fair i mean in it in a plane crash situation, there's a good chance that everyone dies, so no one's going to remember what you did. It's fine. Exactly. Yeah, there's that. This is I mean, what I was like oh. as a teenager. Like, every joke I made was like that. It was just nonstop, ha-ha, mm-hmm. somebody died. And let me tell you about the day I realized it's not necessarily kosher all the time. Uh, yeah, it's not a good look. Did it's you, really uh, bad when it people actually like did die. Like you make a joke about oh, yeah. something, and then they're like, "No, they actually did not survive." And then you hate yourself. Yeah, I remember that happening to me where somebody made a joke about my grandmother dying, and I was like, "Yeah, she died when I was six. And the the red face on that child, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe don't joke about people's dead grandparents, dumb dumb." Oh, it's so, such a gamble to talk about it's grandparents. Such a- such a gamble such a fucking gamble and like i lost my my dad's parents when i was really young like my dad's dad died when i was one and my dad's mom died when i was six so i grew up without having one set of grandparents basically so i had an extra set humble brag humble brag my mom's parents got divorced and remarried and that we all were just like one family that hung out together still i didn't know that was weird until i was like 20 and then i was like this is weird i have that too Loki, I don't have. I just had the. You one can have what the extra now set I have that none, I have. It's fine. Now I, I have none grandparents, and it's been a, it's been a while. Uh, I'm at fifty yeah. percent. So. I am. I'm at. Um, hmm, I am at fifty percent blood related grandparent, mm-hmm. and fifty percent non blood related remarried grandparent. I don't know, man. Some folks are gone. Some are still here. <laughs> so speaking Oof. of um, deceased grandparents, welcome to Splatterbrains, a podcast uh, going through the many annals, that one's for Nikki, of horror, uh, be it comics, movies, etc. And uh, I, I, I like that I started with comics as if Brad and I have gotten our goddamn comic episode yet, but we haven't. 
Uh, Brad is not here today. We miss him. We love him. And but uh, I am Alex, your one quarter host, here with Nikki. Hello. And Karen. Hiya. There we are. Um, how are you two? Now that we're on that subject. Hang on, hang on. I got this because I listened to the last episode a couple times because of my edits. What'd you guys do this last week? You get up to anything spooky? Is that your fucking impression of me? It's an affectionate one, yes. It was, I, it was pretty accurate. I'm going to start bringing in an accent that is a blue-collar, middle-aged Chicago man who smokes cigars and just, you so know. Just your natural accent in five years. Yeah, but I'm going to take that valley girl out of it so that the next time you do an impersonation of me, it's going to be like, hey, did you guys get up to anything spooky this week? Well, you were doing a voice. It wasn't like your natural voice when you did that. It just was funny, and I remember it. That's all. Yeah, that's true. Um, Uh, Karen, you go first. All I was about to say is that I now have, to me, what feels like the gift of hearing you say poopy diapy in my head on a regular basis whenever something displeases me i hear you say poopy diapy and it just i need you to know what joy it brings me every fucking time because a lot of things displease me on a regular basis i am not your diapy why was that in the first place does anyone remember i mean your head yeah karen you'll remember more than i do i say that a lot that's true. The last time I was reminded of it is you actually typed it in the chat about something. But, and I heard it in my head when I read it. I was like, poopy diapy. It does um, hit harder. It did you say it like a baby form. too? Yeah. Poopy, poopy diapy. Maybe it was the, uh, it was about the, maybe the giant babies when we were talking about who would you fight? A hundred foot baby or 10,000 babies? It was way I think before that's that. Two on the nose. And also, yeah. here's a fun it was fact. Way I have never said poopy and and usually I'll be like poopy in your diapy. I have never said it in a baby voice because it's too much. I usually say it in a very like matter of fact, like poopy diapy. <laughs> but say you were saying it to like a cat or a small dog. How would it sound? Like, um, what's the context? Why am I saying it to them? Um, because they're a tiny little poopy because they're a a small dog and you're just putting on a funny voice but you mean puppy but you say it funny because you're talking to a dog i would never use it as a term of endearment either but i would say ah poopy in your diapy great now that we've established that uh do you either of you have that friend that asks you how you've been because they clearly want to say something yes and yeah and the whole time they're just like all right are you gonna be done now are you done yeah. So, Alex, then how is what do you have? Well, let That's- me tell you. I got Ooh. some stuff to say. Now, actually, I will let you both finish, but I would like to talk about something when you are done. I realized- now I feel pressure. No, no. And the worst part is, like, while I was saying that, I realized that I hadn't waited for you to actually finish before I made that joke, which makes it so much worse. So. I also don't think either of us had actually started a real thought no. about nope. what we had yeah. up to. No, you did not. I just it, fully... the ball was in Karen's court, and then she lobbed it over to me with the diaper poopy diapy. Poopy and then diapy. It, yeah, the ball is on the ground. Who's gonna Perfect. pick it up? Karen. Um, Karen, pick it up. Um, well, I will say I rented Nope 
on Amazon Prime because I really wanted to see it again. And I could not convince myself to go to a movie theater. Not for any other reason than I'm fucking lazy. And I'm not within walking distance of one anymore, which sad. Anyways, uh, so I rented it because it came up on Amazon Prime. I was like, oh, fuck yes, I will rent this and watch it. And I watched it like at least, I think I watched it three times in the two days that I had the rental for. And I basically, with every watch, started to get more uh, and more scholarly about the breakdown of this film to the point where I was annoying myself with how much I was like trying to break down every little aspect of the film. But all that is to say, man, I fucking love that movie. So I stand by my original notes. I'm a slut for aliens. I'm a bigger slut for Jordan Peele. And I fucking love that movie. And And I will watch it again. And Brad's just a slut. And I will watch it again when it comes to streaming for free. Like, repeatedly. Like, I think Nope might become my next Pacific Rim, you guys. For real. I fucking love that movie. That is wild. Yeah, because I can't imagine that specific one. Like, I mean, maybe repeat watchings would be helpful with that one. But, I mean, Get Out was so good. Like, how many times did you watch that? Did you make a tally? You have a whiteboard at home? You should get a whiteboard. I don't have a whiteboard of it, but I've seen it at least, I want to say, half a dozen at this point. Like at least six times, possibly I've more. seen it five times less than that. I just own it. I bought it. Out. I like purchased yeah. the video. Oh yeah, but I'm, you're you're a Amazon. big Jordan Peele. I am. I'm a celebrity. Fucking. I love him. Well, what's funny is so one. I listened to the Nope episode finally when I was traveling. Um, loved hearing all of your takes on it. Thank you for um, supporting Splatterbrains. We really appreciate you as a listener. Absolutely. Oh my god, my pledge. I even put it on my downloaded episode list. Nice. And Karen, I was most intrigued by your Metra story and that fucking bitch who tried to push your sandwich off the seat with the s- switchy chair. What a... Right. I won't even, I'll stop right there. But that was the most, I, know. I was infuriated. I was sitting at the airport and I was like, this fucking bitch, it you was handled like that. it well from what I Thank understand. Thank you. I mean, I basically uh, like yeah. had to throw the hand up and was like, you're not moving this chair, lady. But she did. She tried. She's yeah. I mean, that was a, I don't, I have a lot of feelings on mm-hmm. Metra etiquette. But also Get Out. So after I did see Nope in theaters, I watched Get Out with someone who had never seen it before. And um, they liked it. And it was kind of fun to go backwards because Nope was their first experience with Jordan Peele. And I said, well, let's go back to the beginning to something a little bit better, in my opinion. And they liked it better, I think. I don't disagree. I do agree that Get Out is a better film overall. I just personally like Note better, but that is 100% to do with that. As you all know, creature features and aliens are like my number one jam. So that's that's the reason. I com- But I do agree. Get Out is a technically better film. I my, love it. Nope would have just, fair. all I needed was a different creature. I think something a little bit really less... Yeah, like even if it had like the Predator camo or something like that, rather than it just being what it was, where it was just kind of a smooth thing. It's I'm being vague more or less, but like I don't I don't hate it. 
it just didn't compel me. I wasn't excited about it. When I dug into the creature more upon my third viewing, <laughs> I really wanted to make my $20 rental like stick. So I had to watch it more than once. Um, but yeah, I, I would say on the third round, I actually looked up. I was like, I'd, but I was reading articles to a book. Like I said, I got real scholarly about this shit by the end. And one of the articles that I had read actually was about the creature and the like what happens to it at the end and the way it does its thing at the end. And it kind of clicked for me at that point once I read this article of, you know, how certain creatures, when they feel threatened, get big, tend to puff up yeah. and get peacocking big. and stuff. Yeah. Like that's, that was why. Well, the thought is like the reason the alien does what it does at the end is because it thinks of um, OJ and Emerald as threats. And it actually views them as threats, and that's why it does the thing at the end with them. Um, but that's not the, I like the parachute part more than the regular, like just it, oh. like the, the pre puffer fish, you know. Oh, uh, yeah. I like see, I like both, but the po- oh. but the big puffy made more sense to me after I like dug deeper into it. I actually, re- my favorite thing about the whole movie is the fact that. The, the ship is a creature. Yeah. It's not a creature in a ship. Like, that was the mind-blowing aspect of it for me that I was like, Jordan Peele, you son of a bitch, you did it again! One day yeah. I really think Karen is going to get beamed up into outer space by her people and everything that she has worked toward her entire life will come to fruition in the near-to-distant future. And I hope you write us from up there. Karen, have you ever seen Fire in the Sky? Yes, of course I have. Okay, I heard of it for the first time yesterday. A friend of mine was like, oh, I rewatched Fire in the Sky. And I said, what's that? 24 hours ago. Yeah. Based on true events. No, honestly, that movie is kind of... I know the actual story. I've never seen it. I don't know the story. I just know it's an alien abduction movie. That's it. And it came out in 1993 because I looked it up yesterday. It did. Yes. Um, the movie itself has some pretty terrifying parts, actually, f- especially for an alien film. It is dated at this point, but it is. I I personally enjoy the film. I'm more obsessed with the actual true life story of Travis Walton, like what he actually went through and like what the movie slash book is based on. But yes. I don't think anybody familiar. ever has to tell me that anything is dated anymore because it is important to me to understand when a movie was made. Um and uh, if you can't put yourself into that mindset, it is going to turn you off to a lot of movies that are, quote, outdated. When in fact, it's just your perspective has changed in the world. I, I rewatched yeah. it very recently, actually. I think I actually rewatched it during my 31 Days of Halloween last year. So fairly recently. And the scary parts still stand up. They're still fucking terrifying to watch. It's uh, It reminds me of like the end scenes in Event Horizon. Like. They're still scary as shit, just kind of dated, but still fucking scary. So I don't know if you like alien, if you just like alien abduction horror movies, it's a good one. Feel like I, the X Files filled that void for me for life, where like all I do is compare it to that main storyline of those first few seasons and how much I loved it. And it's not that I don't like aliens; it's more like I was just like, I don't know. If you've ever had like the best burger of your life, you don't often want to go to McDonald's. You're just like. I'm going to go do that, especially if it's accessible. Okay, I'm not saying... Hop in really quick. The best burger is at McDonald's. That's all I'll say. 
Is that really how you feel? Waiting for that. I was really waiting for this. I, I, and here's the thing. It's, it's not that controversial because every you know when I ate meat, everybody eats there, and people that say it's gross are stupid. I honest, I think that they their practices and the consumption of meat is disgusting. But that's beside the point. Ignoring all of my personal politics, Joaquin Phoenix aligning self. Um, that's a callback to an earlier episode. But uh, is they they like they taste good, and that's why people go there, and it's cheap. But as far as a fast food burger, if I'm picking like big chain fast foods, I think regular menu, not dollar menu, Wendy's was my favorite. Discuss, I suppose, if you want. Was- you don't have to just talking with some people about how you know how the wendy's patties are square shaped Mm -hmm. i learned that allegedly they're square shaped so that you can fit more on the grill but it doesn't really that doesn't make sense to me because there's still a size discrepancy it's like you're just maybe having more patty on the grill you're losing that little divot yeah. between four circle patties. So I thought that was a, an unfair argument to make. And really, I, I think the square patty just makes a burger feel more unnatural than it already is. All right. It's not really about the shape of it so much as that I just prefer whatever it is they use to either season the beef or it's denser than a McDonald's burger for the most part. There was a that's what she said somewhere in there, but it started to get lost. That's what no one said. Yes, mm, correct. Nobody Karen, said. Do you it. have a burger restaurant preference? If well, I don't know if you eat meat, if or when you do um, fast food. I uh, ta- Taco Bell. That's not a burger, but I accept your answer because <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I also now exclusively think of the movie that Alex we did not like, Crimes of the Future. When I think about fast food and. The storyline of that movie actually becomes more compelling with time because we really do fill our bodies with like plastic and trash and have evolved to be able to sustain it in a way that is very reminiscent of the themes of the movie that is more interesting than the movie itself. So I do find myself thinking about crimes of the future when consuming all of the trash that I put into my body. Think repeating the plot of that movie in this basic form which is people are growing extra organs because humans are evolving because of how polluted the earth is so now we will start to consume this pollution is a pretty cool idea it was just so far up its own ass i was just like i i'm good this isn't my favorite execution you know the best person in that movie was uh what what's her name twilight Kristen Stewart. What's her name from in Twilight? Bella. I just want to shout out Twilight for being the best vampire there is. <laughs> you know, when I was re-listening to our vampire episode, I felt really good about how I portrayed my feelings toward Twilight. I I stood up for it in a healthy way without crossing a line that I wasn't willing to to cross. You know, I I understand people shitting on it and I get it. And I could have let that be the theme of Twilight, but I gave it a shimmer. A pun. Pun in, not intended because of the shimmering vampire. Well, hmm. sparkly. Yeah. So um Alex, what was your exciting stuff before 
carrot and I derailed with burgers and poopy diabetes. Um, <clears throat> so I've probably talked about this before about uh, how theaters experiences can go one way or the other. And I'm sure I've complained about some of this shit that's happened to me in movie theaters before, but I prefer to be in a movie theater. And um, there, we talked a little bit ago that uh, Kevin Smith bought a movie theater just north of me about a half an hour. Um, kind of like tucked into like the corner of uh, uh, New Jersey. If New Jersey is S shaped, it's like here on the Slayer shirt. It's right here. It's like right there on the little bump. Um, and uh, I was excited. Tiff saw that there is a horror podcast from here. I don't remember the name of it, and this has nothing to do with the quality of the podcast or the people involved because I didn't I haven't listened to it yet. And I will, because um, I would love. I, I was like, oh, I'm going to meet some people that do horror podcasting too. And they do a once a month thing at this theater uh, and they were showing Sleepaway Camp and I was super excited to go see it uh, because I haven't watched it in a really long time and there's something about seeing a classic slasher movie, no matter what the content of that slasher movie, with like-minded people. These were not like-minded people. And uh, I was getting at this earlier when you talked about something seeming outdated and I... Uh, I've just got a lot of feelings about the way that people watch movies and I it's turned into I like this is a, the worst possible scenario for me for a movie like this is what happened at this theater. So first of all, everybody it, it felt like everyone had seen Mystery Science Theater and they were all trying to just one up each other for how much they were laughing at this movie. And I understand that not only is Sleepaway Camp very 80s extraordinarily inappropriate and just like crass it is a it's like kind of a despicable movie the first person that gets killed is a cook that straight up comments on uh young girls and it's not subtle what he says about them but he gets boiling water poured on him it's pretty cool but they uh the way that people reacted to this is if they've never seen a horror movie or they think horror movies are like a joke and it's not that i don't think you can laugh at a movie but there's a certain way to do it where you're not laughing at the movie. You're more or less laughing at how ludicrous something is or whatever. But there's still a difference where there's energy in the room that's like we're still excited and we still like these movies. It felt like nobody in that room liked the movie. They just wanted to laugh at a silly horror movie to prove to everybody how smart they were about how bad this movie was. And I don't think it's a bad movie. I, I Yeah, I get it at the end scene. There's a naked statue, and you have to stare at that a little bit, and it's a little weird. Uh, there's, I don't know, man. Like, I don't even know how to rant about this. I just know that I was, I left very disappointed. Because I was excited to, yeah, finally Can see some horror. Question? Yeah. Do you suspect that the people that had seen that movie had never seen it before? Yeah. And just kind of were like, I'm going to go see... Yeah, well, there was there's a person there that um, they were like, which I I looked up and I found out more about, which we'll talk about not on air, um, but because it's some specifics and I'm not trying to like scandalize somebody, um, but uh, they got a video from Felissa Rose and they made it sound like they called her on the phone and were like, hey, we're gonna watch your movie. Can you give a shout out? It was ten thousand percent a cameo, and you could tell. Like, they had bought a cameo of her, and they played that before the movie. And I think that's fine, but the way they did it, I was like, okay. And then the person that was like, I got this this video for everybody, 
was the biggest asshole in the theater the whole time, like laughing at the movie. And I was like, what if she were sitting in here? I thought you guys were best friends. What the hell's going on? Yeah, that's um, awkward. I do think, too, that's an interesting dilemma because on the one hand, I can understand that reaction from people that have never seen it or even like understand kind of the cult classicness around it. Like if you just went in and watched Rocky Horror Picture Show, knowing nothing about it or kind of the culture around it and seeing are you seeing it with people doing the stuff that you expect at Rocky Horror? Or are you just watching this movie? I mean, either, but that's what I mean. Like I think movies like sleepaway camp, or even like the room stuff like that it like the culture around the movie is so potently important to mm. understanding and like respecting it for its place you know what i mean and not to say that like every single movie you need to do all this research yeah, so i'm yeah. not even coming to the defense of them it's actually quite the opposite it's like when you're going to see something like that especially an anniversary movie i kind of feel like there's a especially a uh like a specific small theater, there's a little bit of an obligation to do some semblance of research. But I can also imagine how shocking it can be to watch something with no awareness of what you're seeing. Like, can you imagine seeing like The Room or Rocky Horror or Sleepaway Camp or anything of that well, ilk with no context? And maybe they did. Maybe yeah. they did. The, the, the reactions get worse because, and we'll start with this thing. I talked to Karen about this in our chat, like right after it happened, because I was freaking out about it. Um, so I know for sure there was a person in that audience who, and it was the person with the cameo, um, uh, who was wearing a backwards baseball hat. And I was just like behind him one row and like a couple seats over. So I was just staring at this thing in the face and it was a cross with a circle around it. And it was like, it was the white pride worldwide logo. So like he was wearing a white power hat. Karen and I talked about it a little bit. And there is, I think based on the reaction of the people in that movie and the fact that he is a public person what he works in movies i found out um, small movies but one of them is one that i intend to go see in the near future um is that we th- i think he thought he was wearing a zodiac killer hat which i still think is fucking bogus but not as bogus as a white power hat um it was weird man like just, so i'm staring at this and then there were the reactions to the movie so based on that context of thinking that there's potentially somebody that's uh, a, a horrible racist sitting in front of me not knowing anything else, I just see this thing and I have to sit through the movie thinking about that. Um, there are scenes in the movie, obviously that movie is kind of notorious for it's definitely not up-to-date uh, sex and gender politics. That's kind of the whole point of the movie is that the the shock of it, I'm going to spoil a you know 35-year-old movie that people should see by now, is that um, a uh, father and daughter were killed uh, in a boating accident at the beginning of this movie. And they the the mother sort of lost her mind and raised uh, the main character as... The aunt. Brother, uh, it, uh, it was her aunt. His aunt. It's, aunt. It, it's, it's her mother. It's the kids. It's the boy's aunt. That's her cousin. Wait, does she go to live with him? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. The, the parent that is raising her has lost her mind and is raising because she always wanted a daughter and had recently... I, I was under the assumption she had lost her daughter. The, the point is, like, one, the mom is acting a little strange at the beginning. And so 
and when I say a little strange, I mean, it's very over the top acting. Um, and so people were reacting like, what the fuck? It's like, have you, do you seen this movie? Like by the end of it, it's like, well, she lost her mind cause she just got a family member killed. Um, and then, uh, you eventually in the like movie, you find out that something that, um, what's Felissa Rose's character's name? I do not remember, but you know, obviously Felissa Rose is supposed to be a son raised as a daughter. Amber? I think so. I, I'd have to look, but the point is, like, there's just all of a sudden a gay sex scene in that movie because it's sort of reflecting on gender confusion and sexuality, and so she is supposed to be very confused. Um, and it's the dad from earlier in the movie, and she had walked in on him uh, having sex with another man, and the reaction of that theater was, it was holy, what the fuck? Like seeing two guys kiss was like the most like I was like I feel like I'm on the school bus. Um, so that was my big thing is I was like, I don't know anything about the politics of that area in New Jersey, but it felt very much like everybody was being like, they were laughing at the movie, which I didn't appreciate, but also when they laughed at the movie, it was for the wrong reasons. It wasn't just ineptitude. It was also like potentially homophobia. Uh, and like, there's, there are a few black characters in the movie that, uh, that have a very stereotypical, uh, accent that they give them almost like they are working on a southern plantation which is not okay but i was just clenching in my seat like what are these fucking assholes gonna rant like say about this i, I don't want to be that uncomfortable watching a movie and it's not because of the movie it's because i think i'm in an audience of morons and not like i don't know man like forget everything i said earlier those people can fuck right the fuck off also, it was Angela, not Amber. Angela, yeah. thank you, Angela. Angela. And yeah, but anyway, I, rewatching it, I like it a lot, and it's a movie that I understand feels not just very '80s. It feels very low budget, but it's kind of like I don't know if either of you ever like like you're listening to the radio, you're listening to popular bands for a long time, and all of a sudden you hear some like I don't know local hip hop artist, indie rock band, punk rock band, old metal band, and the recordings sound like absolute shit to you immediately. You're like, "What is going on here? Why doesn't this sound like Blink One Eighty Two on the radio?" Sorry, Brad. Um, but like over time, your ear develops it, like a feeling for that, and you're like, "Well, contextually, you know why it sounds a certain way, and you start, start to kind of like that." I like that Sleepaway Camp looks crappy, like I, it or doesn't look like you know Avatar. It's fine that these movies don't have a budget. I can suspend my disbelief and say these people are working their damnedest to put on some sort of weird practical effects thing with the minimal budget that they have. And even though they were making a trash movie, and definitely on purpose, like they tried to make a movie. And like it's weird for me to be in a room full of people at like a monthly horror night that aren't there that appreciate that in the same way. I know my standards are too high, and that's silly to hold people to that, but like. It's just a bummer. I, I don't feel any connection to that kind of crowd. I, I want people to have fun with it, but I want it to be because they're in, they still like the thing. They're not just like, haha, I'm smarter than everybody in this room because I think that the thing on screen is weird. Eh. Sounds miserable. It was miserable. Yeah. I left there feeling really tense. And also, when you know, I was in my head, I'm like, I feel an obligation that if I see a symbol like the symbol on that guy's hat, that I should say something. But I'm in a room full of people I don't know. They clearly know each other. And all that would lead me to is uh, a fight I would definitely lose. And I'm not a fighter. Like, it's just not a thing that I do. I've been in scuffles. 
one person hits the other person and it ends, but I've never been in an actual fight. And I was just like, I was like scared to be there for a little bit. I was like, I feel uncomfortable. Like I've put myself in a position. You should have left. I would have left. I turned, I turned to Tiff as the movie was starting and I was like, I fucking hate this guy. And she's, she's like, she didn't know why. Because she didn't know the symbol. And I was like, he's wearing a fucking white power symbol on his hat. And nobody's saying anything. And there were there was just white people in the room. And it was just like, I don't I don't it's think a case that he... where it's not worth it to be there. Like the movie, yeah. you've seen the movie, the point of going is for the experience. And yeah. if you feel unsafe, I would have been like, I'm taking my Swedish fish and getting my ass out of here. Uh okay. I got did I get Sour Patch Kids or did I get Swedish fish? It was one of I the two. You got Swedish fish because I only said Swedish fish because I would have gotten Sour Patch Kids, and I know that you get Swedish fish. I did end up going to that theater again last week. I saw they had, um, it was not a horror night, and that's why I didn't, I was like, I'm not going to run into the same people. They were doing the extended cut of that last Spider-Man movie, and I went with a couple friends. It was us, the three of us, and then six teenagers. And it was very funny because they were clearly there to have a good time. But we put a damper on the situation by showing up. But they, uh, the th- I, I got Sour Patch Watermelons when I went there next time. God bless. Oh, one more. This isn't even a story, but then let's get into our topic. Um, yeah. In college, my roommate and I went to see Fifty Shades of Grey together in theaters. And we were absolutely the assholes in the audience giggling and laughing at everything while there was a bunch of couples probably whacking each other off in the theater and then us in the back giggling every time like a boob would come out. So (laughs) after I've said all this, I've been that person in the theater. I've been the asshole that's talking too much in that. It was when I was a teenager and these were all adult people in that room. And it was during Spider-Man 3. So for all four other people that saw Spider-Man 3 with me and my idiot teenage friends, I'm sorry. There we go. I I'll got that off my talk. chest. I'll giggle through a movie, but I'll never talk. If, I, you know, if my precious grandmother, I'll bring up my grandma once again. If my grandma talks, you know what? No, I'm not going to throw my grandma under the bus. Wait, is this the grandma that lives Fifty Shades of Grey? Yeah. Hell yeah. Her, either grandma. If one of them starts talking to me with theater, I'm saying, Grandma, can it? I'm watching a movie. That's how, that's my theater thing. But theaters aside, speaking of theaters, we know a director who has made some movies that have gone to theaters. Ah, oh, that was a bad transition. It wasn't. It was a great transition. And uh, I... I actually want to kick it off to say that I'm getting something off of my chest because I feel like I've pretended like I've seen this movie before, but I've never actually watched it. And I watched The Last House on the Left for the first time today in my life. Yeah, I'd never seen it. I never saw the remake. I've heard about it my entire life. I know it's Wes Craven's big claim to fame. And as we talked about earlier, there are certain things in movies where you're just like, I don't know if I want to put myself through that. And knowing that the movie was like, about sexual assault i've always been like ah, I, I it's like i don't really want i've seen i spit on your grave somehow and the remake of that but i never saw last house on the left um surprises me. you know Genuinely. what it's it's pretty good it's a pretty good movie uh that ending is fucking wild man and i'm very happy you guys decided to talk about west craven today so that i could watch that movie so that i had a reason to watch it and just go i'm doing this and i did it Karen, you're our craven head, right? 
Yeah, that was his first movie. That he he, first, he like, helped on some other movie, but it was his first directing job, yeah. Yeah, he helped on another. So the guy that produced Last House on the Left is who he worked on is technically the first movie with. And I think it was um, Hallmark Releases was the one who I was looking this up today. I don't just know that. Say, I read the same Wikipedia page as you today. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, yep. So, oh my God. Okay. Hold on one second. Only oh top God. tier research happens in the splatter. Yeah. Only the uh, finest I, Wikipedia pages. I, I talked to Karen about this before you jumped on the call, uh, but I, I always get nervous about episodes where we pick a director and we do a thing. Cause I'm like, I gotta know more, but it's like, no, we're not trying to be historians. We're just trying to talk about what their movies meant to us or how would our relationship is like to their movies. And I am nightmare on Elm street is like my franchise, like Friday the 13th is Brad's. So I'm excited to be here today. Yeah. And I'm yeah, glad yeah. you said that because when we have done these director or specific person topics, I get a little self-conscious when I don't take the time to read about their evolution as a director, an actor, or whatever. But I do really like the idea of just, you know, we're not here to give an oral history, as you said, of Wes Craven, yep. but to talk about our experience as viewers watching his work and put ties between them as we see fit. I'm more interested in what you two, well, how his work relates to you two and the movies and like just any of your feelings about that than I am about the history of his life because you can get that from other podcasts. I want yeah. to make a podcast where we talk about things we like. So I really is. enjoyed murdering the fly I just murdered because it's been buzzing around my house all afternoon. And That's live murder on our horror podcast. Yeah, you heard it here witness. first, folks. A live murder of a fly in my Crime office. Solved. Did you yep. name the fly? I absolutely did not. Uh, well, did its you, name was Seth. Name actually, I, Seth. I actually named all of the yeah. fly. I I name all flies Brendelfly. So perfect. Yeah. Perfect. You're welcome. I've started uh, doing a capture and release with uh, flies I find in my apartment because I have evolved no. into a person that won't hurt a fly. That's who I've evolved they, into. No, they eat poop. They're out. There was my Poopy dog, there, but baby. I let her live here, so. <laughs> yeah, but um, the dog yeah. has redeeming qualities, like being adorable. That's true. I like when a fly, my favorite part of a fly and the videos that follow in meme format are when flies go like this. Speaking of flies going like this, Karen, what's the first Wes Craven movie you remember watching? And at any point, did you were you like aware this is a Wes Craven thing, and then you like, carried on from there? I, I'm gonna assume well, I know what it is, but what do you wait? I want to know what you think it is. Scream. I assumed that'd be the first one you saw. Like it, it, it makes yeah. sense because Correct. we're about the same age, believe it or not. And it came out right around the time when I would be curious to watch horror films. But it was just yeah. like just I was just young enough. And my parents were like. No, but my sister was old enough. They're like, okay. It came out in for me my in when I was in sixth grade. So by the time it came to video, it was like primo sleepover horror movie choice. Mm -hmm. So yes, Scream was was the first Wes Craven film I was introduced to. Like I wanted to look cool and say Nightmare on Elm Street, but no, I don't think I actually watched all of like the. I don't think I ever watched Nightmare on Elm Street in full until I want to say college, maybe. Sure. Um, 
not because I was like freaked out about it, but uh, because my original love of horror, I wasn't a really big fan of slasher movies at all. Scream was my first real slasher movie. I was more into like the ghosties and the witch movies. Like the craft was my goddamn, it still is. Let's be real. Like that movie is still my fucking jam. But I wasn't super into slashers and stuff. Scream was my first slasher, and I was like, fuck, this movie's real good and terrifying. To answer the second part of your question, I did not know it was a Wes Anderson film because I probably watched it when I was like 12. Well, it wasn't, so, wasn't... so good good for you. You're right. It was not Wes Anderson. <laughs> all yeah. of the Wes's. All right. Now all I'm thinking about is Wes Anderson presents Scream. And that's, I would love to see that movie. But you would watch the, I, you, I would watch yeah. the fucking shit out of that. Yeah, I, yeah. I do, Wes Anderson is one of my favorite uh, directors of all time, so. I like lots of stuff he's made. So. I just watched Moonrise Kingdom with someone the other day. I wasn't my first time watching it. Anyway, very serendipitous. Go on, Karen. I, wa- I watched I not, the French no. Dispatch and I didn't like it. Oh. I'm sad about it. I really liked uh what the hell was the like slapstick movie he did before that? Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel. Grand Budapest, yeah. Warm and fuzzy. That movie makes me warm and fizz- uh, fuzzy. So good. Wes Craven directed. Wes Craven, screen. a yeah. little less warm and fuzzy, I guess, depending on what you're into. But uh, I did not realize that Scream was a Wes Craven film because I wasn't. I didn't give a shit. Um, at the time, I was 12. What do I care what the director was? I just really liked the movie. Sure. It was. It definitely wasn't until college that I put two and two together that Wes Craven was the director of Nightmare on Elm Street and, like, Scream. And that's actually why I ended up watching Nightmare on Elm Street. Because I always thought the concept of Freddy Krueger was stupid. And then I found out Wes Craven was the creator. And I was like, oh, I'll give it a shot. So that's the kind of pretentious twat i was growing up still am still am I got but, speed, but that's cool yeah but uh yeah scream was definitely the first and i probably have a soft spot in my heart about it but i was just re-watching it leading up to us recording because i was like what do i want to put on this afternoon when i don't have meetings scream and that movie i just i fucking love them it's there is what, name it- a more perfect horror film don't actually don't don't ruin okay. don't ruin this for me but i fucking love that movie so yeah what was yours what was yours first west craven film All right, so i was gonna try to let you talk nikki because i've been bulldozing today extra hard um but uh i will just say that i think that new nightmare is the better scream <laughs> <laughs> so that was the first Nightmare on Elm Street movie I ever saw. That is not the place you should start in the franchise because it's a send-up of Nightmare on Elm Street. And if you haven't seen it or have the context of that, uh, it's it doesn't make as much sense. And knowing... Uh, like, so that was on TV all the time. I don't remember what channel. Probably TNT. That's like where all a lot of the horror movies were on all the time. And so I remember watching New Nightmare and being terrified. And that New Nightmare and Return of the Living Dead are like the two horror movies where I was like, the, this is for me. I want to do this. I was terrified, and I was constantly flipping back and forth if something scary was happening. I was like, yeah, no more. It's too scary. But uh, I just I so distinctly remember that little kid um, uh, from Pet Cemetery getting uh, constantly harassed by Freddy Krueger and not having known anything about Freddy Krueger. But uh, Freddy Krueger was enough in the zeitgeist of the world and pop culture that I at least knew 
he's this guy that invades your dreams. I knew the rhyme at least a little bit. And uh, that's, yeah, I just really like it a lot. And that movie is called Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So I at least had the context of like, oh, this is, they're intentionally talking about this person involved in this movie. Yes. Um, I want to come back and deep dive that movie because I have also very positive sentiments about it. My origin story with Wes Craven, I have nothing super unique to add. Like it's for our generation, it's either going to be Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street, presumably. Mm -hmm. But um, one really fun memory. So when I was a kid, I have a brother who's like three years older, two, three years older. And he always be so sad. I thought your brother was younger than you. (laughs) <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> it's because i am so mature that is what it is yeah um but he always had like the cool computer set up he had access to LimeWire and like music downloads that i didn't oh, yeah. have and i forget it had to i think this song was associated with scream 2 but there was a release of the song Scream by Master P that was associated with the Scream franchise that I was just fucking obsessed with. I just gave you our outro music, Alex, but I'd have to yeah. go to my brother's room and like bribe him to let me listen to Scream. And I think he had the CD for I think it was part of the Scream 2 soundtrack now that I'm thinking of it. But Scream by Master P, absolute banger, played nonstop in the month of October on my Spotify. Um so yeah, Scream, of course, but I would love to, can we take a little detour to talk about Wes Craven's New Nightmare? Because I rewatched that this weekend, and I had the same thing as you, Alex, where I grew up seeing bits and pieces of it on TV, and I just had never made the connection, because I also haven't watched it in full since I was probably in like high school, mm-hmm. just the absolute precursor that is to meta narratives and scream that comes out a year later and so much better like Wes craven is in it and there's it's and it's different in the sense that scream scream too or scream as well for a second yeah wait what did i just say what did you just say what did Uh, i say you, you said he's in new nightmare but he makes a cameo appearance in scream as freddy the janitor yeah, but but yeah, yes, sure. he's actually he's an active like, character. Yes, uh, he plays himself and like ha- delivers several lines. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but and it, it's done in a different way where Scream is making not making fun of, but addressing the horror genre as a whole. New Nightmare is like self reflective. It's kind of exactly what the movie scream 2 is where it's like a movie had come out about a real situation and this is about real life reflecting a movie franchise but uh one quick note i wanted to say so in new nightmare it's heather langenkamp the actress who plays nancy um actually kind of living out her life and like freddie is the character like terrorizing her life and there's a lot of callbacks to nightmare on elm street and like deaths and things that happened in the original i remember being infinitely more traumatized 
by the character Julie, who's um, Dylan's babysitter, Heather mm-hmm. Langenkamp's son in the movie, her being dragged and killed on the ceiling. Then I was about Tina in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. So that was kind of really interesting where that for me is like my horrific sticking point is Julie getting killed a new nightmare in the same way that Tina did in Nightmare on Elm Street. I just went all over the place, but I really like New Nightmare. I'm going to shut up. At 16 years old, when I started driving, every time I would drive home at night, I would think about the dad falling asleep at the wheel and getting the claw like to his chest. I remember it because he like squeezes his claws together and he like stabs them. And then when you see the body, it just looks like a single slash killed him. And I was like, wait a second. Why? That's not a stab wound. It's fine. I love that movie, though. I watched New Nightmare for the very first time this weekend. I'd never seen it. So I'm probably tainted. Are you familiar with Nightmare on Elm Street? The The first one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Directly referencing that the whole time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I've actually watched – because it's all on – HBO. So I actually watched original, like I watched the first Nightmare and then I turned on New Nightmare. So it was actually kind of fun to watch yeah. them back to back like that. That's how you um, should do cause, it. Because yeah. you just get all of their references. I don't get me wrong. I really liked New Nightmare. Um, compared to other sequels in the whole franchise, that it's, it's fantastic. Do I like it? I like that it sets up this whole idea about meta narratives. But I do like Scream more. But again, I think that's just personal bias because Scream was my first. And it was my first real Wes Craven reference before any Nightmare on Elm Street was ever in my life. So, but I really liked it and I loved how meta it was. What I found the most interesting was researching New Nightmare and realizing that it was actually, Wes Craven actually wanted it to be the plot of Dream Warriors of Freddy 3. Like, the original, original script for Dream Warriors was uh, actually supposed to be what eventually became New Nightmare, which I thought was really interesting because Dream Warriors is nothing like New Nightmare. <laughs> but in to a certain extent, though, it does have more, it does, in a weird way, does do those callbacks kind of to, like, the first one, where it doesn't treat the second one like it was any in any reality um but i i always i thought that was like that was the most interesting part to me was like oh he originally intended to make this movie way sooner than it actually got made so i was really fascinated by that aspect of it but i really liked the movie overall and i loved that gage was in it i loved that the freaky child was fucking gage i was like what I love that that kid got typecast at like three years old. They're like, you're going to be a scary little boy for the next five years of your life. Um, I also want to clarify, I obviously like Scream way better as a movie. I just liked the way that New Nightmare played with the meta theme. Um, You know, I actually... I don't even want to say I like one more than the other because it's apples and oranges. They're kind of doing two different things, but it was interesting because they came out a year apart from each other. Also in New Nightmare, so we have Creepy Gage Boy. We also have our lovely like ghost hunty lady from Insidious, who I love. She's such a little weirdo. 
Did I watch Insidious? Because I feel like people keep going, why haven't you seen Insidious? You, I feel like you need to watch Insidious. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I couldn't fucking believe there's like five of them. Yes. I thought yeah. there was I thought there were maybe two. Of, I didn't realize there were so many. Of the of like the movies in that vein that have come out in the same like the between Conjuring and Insidious, mm-hmm. I prefer the Insidious movies. Is, I think is that still fa- James Wan or is it somebody else just in the style uh, of no, I think it's somebody else. Mm-hmm. Um, Ethan Hawke. I mean, I mean, I'm just I'm here like, for him forever. I'm, I'm so but, anti. I, I thought I was so anti James Wan for a long time because of The Conjuring, and then I realized I love Dead Silence, and I've come around to becoming a. I can't wait. I hope that there is a sequel to no, Hereditary. No. Not not Hereditary. I uh, would watch a sequel to Hereditary, yeah. not Malignant. Yeah, Malignant. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry, uh, I, that's yeah. beside the point. But Insidious, this person from that movie is in it. Yes, um, so that's cool. And then also, there's a quote in the movie. This goes out to Brad. Someone literally says, I guess evil never dies, right? Fuck. God yes. damn it. Now I... <laughs> oh, okay. Not Insidious, does... a new nightmare. I, I know, no, that makes me night- sad. <laughs> as soon as that was said on screen while I was watching it Saturday night, um... It was the actor who plays Nancy's dad um, yes. is the one who says it. I guess evil never dies. And I literally just like turn to my cats because I live alone and there's no one else here. And I just go, <laughs> evil dies tonight. Evil uh, dies tonight. And I just kept, and then I uh, awkwardly faded it out. And talk no about one, meta narratives. Here's the thing. Everybody thinks that like the worst part about living alone is possibly like choking and dying and nobody discovering your body for several days. But the real sad truth about living alone is that when you make hilarious jokes, no one is around to witness them. And it just, then what the fuck is the point? If a tree falls in the forest. James Wan, James Wan does direct the insidious. At least right, he cool. directed the first anyway, one. Turns out I think I like like him more than I don't, which I thought was the other way around. And uh, just, just watch the first one, but I, That's fine. go into it with your arms uncrossed. I've never, I, I think I I've seen the second one and nothing oh, else. I don't remember I, the second either. I, this is, I'll go out and say this isn't a good movie, but I had a good time watching. Um, it's in the same vein, but it's not, I don't think it's him. Um, the one with uh, the guitar player from Slipknot is the scary guy. Um, and it's. Yeah. Oh, yes, Sinister. Sinister, yes. So I've only seen the first one. The that, Zaddy. That's Ethan Hawke. Hawk. I do that every fucking time. I yeah, get yeah, yeah. Sinister and They're Insidious. really similar. I, messed, I don't care for the Insidious films. I've seen them. Okay. I like the Sinister films. I think those yeah. are great. What's the really name of it? actually creepy. Boogada, whatever his name is. Boogity, Mr. Boogity. Bagooly. It's like yeah. Bagooly. Oh, my okay, God. So He's Sven... such a fucking babe. Babadook? Sven Gulli is a babe. That's what we heard. Sven Gulli. Yeah, yeah. That's, so, that's, that's, so because that's, we haven't done this yet, for those of you who haven't seen New Nightmare, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is a movie that happened in the early 80s. It's very good. New Nightmare is Wes Craven writing a movie about uh, the people that acted in the movie and himself being stalked and harassed by Freddy Krueger in the real world. So the movie was made. Everybody that's in it plays themselves. Uh, and it's a good time. Freddy is stalking. Yeah, Freddy stalks uh, Robert. Um, wow, how did I? England. England. Yes, Robert England in this movie. And I don't know if either of you have ever. Have you ever watched 
or an interview with or seen anything of Robert England outside of the Nightmare franchise? The Paper yeah, Brigade. Like, but like just him interviews. being himself yeah. yeah i've seen interviews that yeah. man is a thespian he yes, wants he to is. be an actor in shakespeare and he plays that up so hard in new nightmare like when you go into his apartment and he's just wearing this night like i'm like oh robert england you're a treasure I, I hope to one day see him at a con or something i love him so much that is exactly how i felt about him in the movie because i because i've because again, I never seen New Nightmare until this past weekend, but I've definitely seen him in interviews, um, specifically around like Eli Roth's history of horror. Like I've definitely, and I know for a fact that, and I couldn't remember if it was a history of horror episode or specifically some documentary about slashers or just Wes Craven specifically. But I rem- distinctly remember seeing a some horror documentary of the many many i've seen that talk about west craven's like breath of work they interview his son a bunch and how like not great of a relationship he had with his dad and how i just distinctly remember his son in one of these interviews saying that um west craven was an amazing director not a really great father and i was like that's that's something to talk about in hey, an interview like this, but sorry, I'm off track. I've definitely seen the Robert England interviews from stuff like that, and um, the way he plays that up in New Nightmare was just absolutely. Well, fantastic. I don't think I think he's just being himself, and that's what he I is. like. I yes. like who he is. Yeah. I mean, it's just it 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 hit. I was like, oh yeah, okay, this isn't a put on. Like this is just who he is. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fucking fit. also his glasses, the little tiny blue glasses he wears in that yes. movie. Yes, I. Yeah, I think I'm with Nikki on the just like I don't I'm not, I don't actually care that much to compare it to Scream. There's no comparison to me because it's a different type of movie. I just happen to really like the Nightmare franchise in general. I've uh drank the Kool-Aid for Freddy Krueger. I think that he is a fun character even though uh he's in some movies that are questionable at best and there are some choices in the writing in some of those that you're like, "Wait, what?" Namely like his birth and him being the child of a thousand maniacs or whatever. But um, it's, uh, I don't know. I like, I like the cult of personality around him. And it's crazy to me that at some point we made a child murderer into a rock star <laughs> with the character. Yeah. It'd be like that sometimes in these movies, though. And I, was, I did like in New Nightmare, I like that they acknowledge the culture and fandom around Freddy and poke fun at how insane it is but i also on a larger scale so 90s west craven so you have new nightmare you have scream um scream two is he associated with scream two he is he directed all four of them oh he did i'm thinking of nightmare where he didn't jump back on until new nightmare yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. no he directed all of the scream films yeah the first four i think there's like such a tonal shift that i think happens circa um the people under the stairs which is a late 80s and where he goes from hills have eyes last house Mm -hmm. on the left and just takes an app like those movies that are my mom had to turn off last house on the left the original because she's like this is just too exploitative yeah it is it's a rough film and like the original hills have eyes is pretty rough too and it's just, it's almost like there's two camps of Wes Craven, because those two are 
a, a bit similar tonally and then yeah. pretty much people under the stairs after it's a whole other thing and i find that really interesting and i kind of wonder i'm sure there's interviews and other podcasts that will tell you exactly why that happens but i find that interesting as a viewer like i didn't even know till probably the last few years that Wes craven was associated and made last house on the left um hills have eyes etc so what what do y'all think well, I, he's always had a sense of humor, I think, and I just think that in the, his later years, like Scream and Beyond, um, I know People Under the Stairs is kind of an interesting and very strange, that is such a strange movie. I remember the first Still time weird. I saw that, and just the first time that guy walks in in the full game outfit, I was like, what? Like, what's happening right now? Um, but he, uh, I think he's just got to shine a little bit later with, with Scream. I didn't know he had directed all four of those. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, as far as like the um, exploitation of the stuff he did in the seventies, like pre Nightmare, uh, maybe it was the early eighties. I don't actually know um, when Last House on the Left. I thought it was the seventies because it looks 70. very seventies. Uh, I want to say seventy four. It might be seventy eight though. All right, I can just look, but it's 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 definitely. I I watched a thing. I'm going to reference something I've referenced every time. And I, I, you know, it's like a notice me senpai because when we talk about how much I l- like horror in a certain way, um, the In Praise of Shadows videos, there's one about uh, The Hills Have Eyes specifically. And I had watched it a, long, like, a few months ago and I knew that he brings up Wes Craven's kind of career and The Last House on the Left. So I was like, I should watch that for our episode today and just glean some information from that. Um, and uh, Last House on the Left was produced for a movie theater company that was trying to make money by producing films cheaply. And they knew people would come out to see horror films. So they just gave him a carte blanche and were like, we don't care. Here's 90 grand to go make a horror film. And what came out of him was last house on the left. And apparently before that, he had never really seen a horror film because he was raised fundamentalist. All of this is information I got from that anatomy of a franchise. The Hills have eyes. You can look it up. I'll, I'll, put, I'll link it in our show notes. Cause I think this guy should get a lot of support. He's very academic about liking the stuff that we like, but uh, yeah, that movie was made for nobody to see it basically. And he didn't yeah. expect anybody to see it. And then it got huge. And then he became well, known as a horror guy. That, and he got, there was also an aspect of that too, where it kind of hurt his career because he didn't want to be a horror director. Like that's not what he really wanted to do. And, but because last house and left did as well as it did, that's why the yeah, Hills have eyes. Because yeah. he was like, well, I mean, this is what people are giving me. Cause he apparently wrote like scripts and treatments and shit that weren't horror related that just never got funding. And then he wrote Hills of eyes and they were like, here's money, go make that movie. And it was yeah. just like, Oh, okay. Well, this is how I put food on the table and still do the shit I really want to do. But, um, and I was wrong. Actually last house on the left was released in 1972. Holy shit. I didn't know it was yeah. that early. Yeah. Cause, Cause when was nightmare? Like the first one. Nightmare was 84. First one was 84. Yeah, I thought it was the mid-80s. That's why I was like, I didn't know it was that much of a difference between those two movies. It was like 12 years. And he had, yeah, you know, made a few in between there, too. The original, well, and the Hills Have Eyes, the original was 1977. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. yeah. We're, I mean, we were talking about 
the Hills Have Eyes. I just wanted to say, have you seen Nikki? Have you seen the the remake that Alexander? Uh-huh. Yeah, I was uh, yeah. just going to say my first exposure to both Last House on the Left and Hills Have Eyes were the early 2000s remakes. Yeah. I think they were both about like 2008-ish. And I really liked those at the time. Um, the Oof. Hills Have Eyes has Buffalo it's... Bill, Ted Levine as the dad in that, which is my favorite. It is so rough. That movie is fucking brutal. He's yeah. high-key a zaddy. Ted Levine, Buffalo Bill, the actor. Karen, agree, disagree? Agreed. I okay. 100%. 100%. My brain just started doing good by horses. But yeah. oh, amazing. Yes. So those two movies I saw as the remakes first. And I, I don't know. I think they, for what the originals are and just the toughness of those movies in general, I think those remakes slap. I think he didn't, he, and this is again, something I could have researched, but didn't. And I made for good podcasting. Pretty sure he directed the last house on the left remake. He did not, not with the remake, but he produced it. He was involved with it though. What are you doing? And it stars that actress who she was kind of in all the teeny bop movies of that era. Sarah Paxton, I believe is her name. Looking um, it up right now. Which is very funny to me because I know her most prominently from the movie Aquamarine with Emma Roberts and singer-songwriter Jojo, um, <laughs> where she plays a mermaid. And I have so, never seen that. yeah. But The Last House on the Left remake is still a tough watch, but not in the exploitative way that the original is. It's okay. from what I remember, I haven't rewatched it in a long time, but it gives a little more ownership of the protagonist and the family versus it just being like here's some really long tough scenes and i've only seen the original last house once because that was enough i think (laughs) but i've seen the remake several times because i don't know it was like the thing to watch in the year 2008 2009 ish whenever it was made yeah it's it's uh I the the movies I saw during that era were the Texas Chainsaw and Texas Chainsaw the Beginning. So those mm. remakes and the prequel. Oh, also, yeah. How about the Nightmare on Elm Street remake from 2010? I've, ne- I've never watched it, and I never try not to it. acknowledge it. I yeah. like Jackie Earl Harley. I think he's an incredible Rorschach, and uh, I know he and he was also the uh, the Terror in the Tick series that came out a few years ago. But man. That movie looked like shit. I didn't see it, so I, I could be wrong. Another guy who got typecast into creepy man in the early 2000s. Well, my speaking of viewing experiences of movies, I saw that movie at my friend's house in high school. Me and her were hanging out, and there was this guy who's like a really cool skater guy. He was the year above us. And With me? Yeah, it was you. Hell yeah. Um, and he had a big crush on my friend, and we he came over. And this was like the middle of the day on like a Saturday. And she was not interested in him from my understanding. He was just kind of like a cool guy that would like come around sometimes. And he was like trying to like make out with her and stuff. Like while the three of us are on the couch in the mid daylight and I'm just sitting on the other side. Like stop trying to make out with my friend when it's the daytime and I'm here and we're watching Nightmare on Elm Street. And so now my memory of that movie is like third wheeling in the middle of the daytime to Nightmare on Elm Street that wasn't good. I can unequivocally say that wasn't me. (laughs) (laughs) 
No thanks. His name was. Always wanted to put a beep oh, in, so we'll do that. Oh, I was also wrong. Um, Wes Craven produced both of the remakes. You said he was that. a producer on both. Oh, I did. Yeah. Maybe. You just wanted the attention again, didn't you? Didn't no. you? No. I will say so. No, but you were, you guys are reminding me of the fact that I've seen. So I did, as I've talked about lately, and or. Not lately, but I try to do a 31 Days of Halloween where I watch horror movies every day of the month of October. Uh, uh, 31 Days of, uh, of of Halloween watching horror movies. Um, not last year, but the year before. The year before last, so 2020. I decided to watch a bunch of original movies that I had never seen but I like knew of. Meaning, like, I wanted to see Last House on the Left. and. The Hills Have Eyes and um, Black Christmas and just all of those like OG slashers from the 70s. And I don't think I realized until I looked up Last House on the Left to like figure out where I could stream it that Wes Craven had directed it. Same with Hills Have Eyes. And watching the two with my ref, like from my reference point of Scream and Nightmare, it was wild to me to see that stark difference because less with Last House on the Left and more with Hills Have Eyes. I just got Toby Hooper Texas Chainsaw vibes from it. And I know part of that is they they were of the same era and they're both set in like a hot I think that's kind of what they were trying to play off of was environment for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to the last Last House on the Left like I so I watched The Hills Have Eyes and then I watched the remake because I wanted to compare the two. And I'll be honest, I actually liked the remake better because I liked uh, the Hills Have Eyes. I liked the remake only because I liked the the ending made more sense to me. I still don't really get the ending of the original one where he's just stabbing the dude repeatedly and then it just like fades out. I was like, I don't remember what the ending is of the remake though. I mean, I know that the 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 suburban family escapes and that I remember the uh part of the yeah like I think I like the, the, the that... weird mutated guy in the chair or whatever getting stabbed in the head. I remember that. Yeah. I haven't watched it in a long time. It's... But I saw so I watched those two and I watched them kind of like back to back and then I put on Last House on the Left and I couldn't go through with watching the remake of it. I because the original I the original one was just so disturbing to watch that I couldn't re-watch another and I maybe I had like saturated myself on exploitation films at that point too because I'm like Hills of Eyes Hills of Iris remake Blast House on the Left I'm pretty sure I did uh, a couple of I can't remember now but I, I so I have yet to see Last House on the Left remake because I just I couldn't stomach yeah. watching that even in even as a remake I was the first one was just enough for me to be like this it just you know, felt like watching a it, snuff film. It was it's really not disturbing. That, okay, when I say it's not that bad, subject matter, yes, it is that bad. But on screen, what you're seeing isn't as hard to watch as I expected it to be. I'm also in my home watching it by myself. Although whatever the transfer is that they have on Amazon Prime right now, it looks fucking great. Um, it's it's very film grainy, but it looks really really good, and uh, it's uh, it's 
I can't say it's like, oh, this is fine. But like, like Texas Chainsaw, you go into it expecting splatter and it's like, well, we're not even there yet. That's yeah. not till the 80s. And like yeah. subject matter, it, there are gory, horrible things happening. And there are the scenes of the girls uh, in the woods that are pretty, pretty rough. That's, like, yeah, that was and, my big. That's what I couldn't stomach. Man, really, that ending is awesome. I mean, that's what I liked about it. It's a great. I mean, I, yeah. I don't get me wrong. I love her. I love a revenge film. I don't dis. And to be clear, I'm not saying I didn't like the movie. I'm saying I just I couldn't stomach a rewatch of it. Is the thing, and I think a big sure. yeah, part yeah. of that though is because I do watch a shit ton of like documentary true crime stuff. So, and just the realism of those torture and rape scenes just really. Yeah, they're pretty bad. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I I couldn't rewatch it. I couldn't do it a second time. I could live without uh, rape forever. If you could just not put that in a movie, I'd rather not have to sit through it ever. You can illustrate your point. You could cut away. I don't need to see it. And like, there's just some things that even I am like, even in a fantasy world, I don't want to deal with this emotionally. It's too tough. It's like a, it's a real, real horrible thing. Yeah. But I, I, but going back to kind of those tonal shifts though, I mean, it, it, there, it feels like a stark contrast, but I actually don't necessarily think it is because you're, he's still touching on like the, the meat of those storylines are like dysfunctional families or, uh, or families like not talking to one another, or there's like that familial element and like that is pretty apparent across most if not all of his movies that there's some type of discord within the family like there is like this focus like albeit parents and yeah albeit super fucked up last house they're trying to find her yeah the parents of the heroes of that movie more or less they were gone yeah 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 i also think like i saw the people under the stairs i want to say like a hit maybe a couple of years ago it's fairly recently was the first time i ever saw that movie and that movie it felt like if a horror director directed the Sandlot is how I felt about it. Like they're that's just a pretty if, good. I think that's a good description of it. Yeah. 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 It felt like very home alone meets like the burbs. Last it was like house, the burbs. Yeah. yeah. Like, la- yeah. Like last house on the left meets fucking <laughs> home alone. Like it was just, I really liked it, but I didn't know what to do with myself with it. I was like, there is a really solidly creepy element to all of this, but there's but there's so much like dark comedy in that film that you can't help but laugh at it. And yeah, it's a silly one for sure. It's so silly, but also really the thought of people living in the walls, like that's fucking terrifying. I would be I don't know of a better place to put this, um, but at some point, I just wanted to bring up the last Wes Craven movie I'm aware of watching. I don't know if this is the last one he directed. Um, was Cursed? Did either of you see that movie? Just about to bring that up because okay, cool. I watched that recently, and one of my favorite scenes. So it's a werewolf movie. Is uh, there's yeah there's a scene where um, Judy Greer's character, who's kind of like how judy greer is in every movie just make her like mean a, all the time they make her or like judy the greer. mean popular girl yeah. but she's a werewolf and then Except christina ricci is like trying to provoke her character while she's transformed as this wolf and she just stops dead in her tracks as the wolf 
gives the middle finger. Oh, I was my phone background for a while. That's a great movie. Dude, have we talked about it on the podcast before? I feel like we talk about it a lot. No, I don't think we have. So one of our old coworkers, um, he he and I talk about it a lot because we're both a fan of it. My brother purchased it for his PlayStation Portable on UMD. So the little mini discs that went into a PSP, that is where I've watched the movie Cursed. And it was the R-rated one, so it was the gory one, where you could see Shannon Elizabeth's torso thrown in front of the car at the beginning of the movie. If you could see the R-rated cut of Cursed, it is a teen movie about werewolves that Wes Craven directed. And I don't know if quality is the word, but it's entertaining as hell, and it is wildly of its time. It is the most 2000s movie I could think of off the top of my head, other than maybe The Matrix. Yeah. I also just think, like, I just have to tip my hat to Wes Craven in his ability multiple times to make a movie almost equally as funny as it is scary. I know horrific like he's not trying to make fun of horror and make that what the funny part is like he writes characters and dial well maybe not write person I don't directs yeah. but there are characters and dialogue in his movies that feed off of each other in a humorous way while dealing with a scary situation that has scary imagery and like it all actually works You know, I feel like when people try to mix horror and comedy, a lot of times the comedic element is to make fun of the horror element. And I appreciate that his feels like like he's trying to be. But that like isn't, it's it's actually trying to be scary. I think the remake, like the new Scream is doing that and being an asshole. And you can uh, listen to that old episode, listener, to hear me rant and rave about that. But I don't think he's trying to... Like, you know, de-elevate, de-es- I don't know, yeah, de-elevate I know, I know exactly either genre. Yeah, and yeah. I really appreciate that he does both without making one a kind of the butt of the other. He's yeah. really good at not taking himself or the work too seriously. Like he, It's not I, too hard to wink, though, because as soon as you start winking full, like what Nikki's talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I... I the what I appreciate most about him is that he walks that line so so cleanly, whereas a lot of a lot of people don't. They just lean too hard into one or the other, and then it just makes a mess. Like Scream twenty twenty two. Also, the last film I liked Craven directed. I didn't. Di- We've talked about this. I didn't dis. I've rewatched it. If that says anything about how much I disliked it, I disliked it enough to rewatch it again. There you um, go. So will die tonight. I have not rewatched that. Um, but that end, uh, the final, the last film Wes Craven directed was Scream 4. Fun fact. I don't know. So of the first four, uh, other than the first one, do you have a, a favorite sequel? Number two. Two, of course. Yeah, okay. I didn't see three or four. I've only seen Scream 1, 2, and 5. I've seen, I've seen three and four. It's been a while. But uh, I really liked. I liked Scream 2 the best of all of them because, uh, yet again, like, it's a whole self-referential sequel piece. I mean, they talk about sequels in the movie itself. I, yeah. But that, that's, my, that's my other favorite Scream I think film. I, 
I am. I think I've had enough meta commentary and a lot of stuff because of kind of growing up in that era where that yeah. became the 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 sort of like this is how we write a smart movie is to make the movie aware that it's a movie. It's TV shows, etc. I'm actually watching um, what's if right now. Have you you both seen the show Only Murders in the Building? It's um, no. No, I thought you were going to say Supernatural, and I was like, oh my god, I've been rewatching Supernatural. (laughs) No, but we did on our last Target run purchase, we found in the toy car aisle a uh, a baby. Impala? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the Impala? Yeah, so we have that in our kitchen right now. Uh, It is very... It came with... uh, What what is his name? Dean? The hot one. Dean. Dean. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Not the pretty one. Sam. Yeah, yeah. Nobody likes Sam. We like Dean. Everybody, yeah. So anyway, no, I'm a I'm a Dean Winchester Stan. Let's be clear here. Of course, of course, of course. I just wanted to make sure we brought it up. But it yes. came with a figure that is so insultingly bad. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll take a photo of it. Maybe I'll use Please it as send a, me a episode picture. promo. <laughs> it's 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 bad. It's just kind of a. It seems like another figure that they just painted a too big jacket on, and that's it. It's really bad. Did you did you ever watch the show, Nikki? Do you know okay. Supernatural? <gasps> no, Nikki, but I you? know the two guys. Oh, it feels we, not my thing. We need to do, I want to do an episode where we pick like four episodes of Supernatural yes. Yes. and we just watch it. And because my. I'm so into this. More often than not, if I have to name a character in a video game, I name it Ass Butt because of that show. It's. Uh, oh my God, Alex, I have a. I don't know where it is. It's hey, somewhere around ass here. Ass Butt. I have a pin, like a like a little like just you know lapel mm-hmm. pin that just says ass butt on it. It just says that it's fucking. Somebody um, in the show is an angel who doesn't really understand human in speech, yes. and he's trying to insult somebody before he chucks like a Molotov cocktail at him, and that's what he yells is, "Hey, ass butt!" And it's really uh, really good. I just rewatched this because I've been rewatching the series, uh, like a nerd. And it actually, it's not just anybody that he checks the Molotov cocktail at. It's fucking Lucifer, which makes it so much better. He's checking it at the devil. Anyway, it's it's amusing. Uh, it's Pretty Boy X-Files, but I'm very entertained by it. It went on for way too fucking long. Uh, I stopped around season they kill okay. God. Where do you go after you kill God? And then I it never kept going. The hell. Yeah. yeah, that's right. I never made it that far, but I will because I'm currently in my rewatch. I'm currently in season okay. 10. So okay. um, Sorry, I don't know why I derailed so hard from uh, Wes Craven here. but Because uh, you were going to talk about a TV show and like meta narratives and being oh, over it. And it's, why it's I thought Mar- you were going to reference yeah, yeah. Supernatural because they do meta got episodes. It, got it. No, it's yeah. Martin Short and uh, um, Steve Martin are two old kind Steve of act- Martin Short. Yes, Steve Martin Short. Selena Gomez. Yes, and Selena Gomez uh, is doing her best Squidward impression the entire show. Um, What are we going to do about that now? It's really good. Martin Short, a lot of his like bits are that he's talking about the podcast that they're making because they're making a true crime podcast on the show, and a hundred percent of the time it is a meta reference to what's happening. They're like. It's a sequel, like this will happen in it's in season two because they're developing it's just like that's it's a way that's I can't think of good examples, but I thought I was over that bit, but they do it really smartly and very quick in it, where it doesn't feel like Deadpool talking to the camera or anything, so that's fine, but anyway, meta commentary, thanks a lot, Wes Craven. You're the only one that's ever done it. 
only one. Mm-hmm. He's done, I do, done it well. I think he, I think Wes Craven created a spider web of influence. Yes. That he is the yes. epicenter of. And I think his impact for me yeah. at least is Lost more. Lost a dog. <laughs> oh, is like a little more. Um, I got it. Influential and widespread than like a John Carpenter, like that John Carpenter, great, amazing, but uh, straight, more of a singular path in my mind. And this is my viewer experience. Like I feel like I see Wes Craven's influence more than like other people that I like that I watch. I don't know. Maybe I maybe would not. agree with that. <laughs> I think I would it's, definitely agree with that. Well, what I was complaining about earlier is kind of one of the reasons that I'm always kind of standoffish when it comes to the Scream series and meta commentary is people thinking they're smarter than the movies they're watching. And it's not to say that it isn't a clever film that was a fun thing to watch, but think about how you reacted to the newest version of that. Cause it, that's what it feels like to me being in a room with, or being in a theater with all those people. It feels like, the newest Scream movie. It, it feels like a lot of people that are too aware of something to a point where it's not that they're appreciating it, it's that they're smarter than it, yeah. rather than just appreciating it and living in that. Um, also, I have one more Wes Craven fun fact that may, like, don't fact check it because I could be wrong, but let's pretend I'm right. Um, but growing up, so I grew up in one of the many Chicago suburbs, and I had cousins that lived in Wheaton, which is maybe like a 15-minute drive north of where I lived, and we'd have to go down this road, and you'd always cross Elm Street, and, you know, as a kid, I'd always be like, oh, like, that's that's the nightmare on Elm Street Street, but I also know that there's Elm Streets in, like, every town, and that's part of why I did it. But I learned later that Wes Craven went to Wheaton College, and so that that Elm Street may, in fact, actually have inspired the action. That may be the Elm Street of Nightmare on Elm Street, which is pretty cool because I grew up thinking that. I could be wrong, and it could be a serendipitous turn of events, but in my mind, and I think I read one thing on an unreliable source website, that that is true. That's cool. I didn't know that uh, he lived in the Midwest at all. He grew up in Ohio. Okay. Or he was born in Ohio. He's like lived in, like, born in Cleveland, I think. Yeah, he was born in Cleveland. Don't worry, guys, I have Wikipedia up. Is Cleveland like the uh, Chicago of uh, Ohio? Don't don't say that. Don't say that. Don't. There's no other. Disparage Chicago in that manner. I was going to say, there's no other. the city in the state, the entire state of Ohio is just Cleveland, where the entire state of Illinois is just Chicago, right? No, there's Cincinnati and Columbus. I was just making a joke about people in Illinois that are probably frustrated that whenever they say they're from Illinois, everyone goes, oh, Chicago? No, they love it. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm from Chicago. And then people that are actually from here are like, are you from Chicago? You're like, no, I'm from Lyle or wherever. I'm from Normal. Right yeah, next to Chicago. Normal. I will say, as somebody who went to college in the middle of the state of Illinois with folks who are from other parts of Illinois, not Chicago. They're not, no one not, who lives no. in the middle or central parts of Illinois do not like being told they're from Southern Illinois because 
everything Southern Illinois if it's South of Chicago. Wait, That's can true. I tell you the? Cra- Did you go to U of I, Karen? No, I went to Knox College. Okay, I went to U of I, and I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. When I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign Urbana. I was very certain that that was Southern Illinois. I did not know there was more state below it. I did not know I was only in Central Illinois. So much state yeah. below it, yeah. So much state. I, so much state that there's a Southern Illinois University. You got you got yeah. uh, Carbondale, Car- Carbondale, right by St. Louis. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. This has been I... uh, geography with the splatterbrains. <laughs> I was just making a crack because uh, there's a band I like from Carbondale, and they have an EP called. Uh, nowhere near Chicago, which is yeah. because because everyone's always like, "Oh, you're from Illinois. You must be from Chicago." Yeah. Or when you're from Chicago and you refer to pl- anywhere south of Chicago as Southern Illinois, that's that's the big one that people apparently they really dislike that. <laughs> yeah. There's Whereas I'm just like, well, thing. you're south of Chicago, therefore you're Southern exactly. Illinois. Well, Nikki, to your point, like where I went to college is in the in the middle of the state. It's in Galesburg, which is right by Peoria. And I thought it was Southern Illinois. Yeah, and worst was- show my band ever played was in Peoria at some fucking roadhouse bar. Not Peoria, in Galesburg. In some fucking like Yeah, they don't bar. they don't teach you about what's south of the suburbs of Illinois for a reason. Because there's not a lot. I was gonna say I will because I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago and You did what? I know. Shocking. I, I like worked at Six Flags Great America and everything. That Bernie. awesome. Bernie. It's white, it's green, it's the wizard machine. Enjoy your ride. Nice, <laughs> nice. Dream job. Absolute dream job. There's going. a Six Flags around here in Jersey, and people don't seem to respect it as much as we respected Great America. So I wanted oh. to go to Fright Fest, and people were like, it's not worth it. I was like, it was pretty cool in Illinois when I was living around there. You should say, you're not worth it. Yeah. True. Wes Craven is probably my favorite horror director, I would say. Followed very closely by John Carpenter, I'd, I'd put it. Because Carpenter, two of my favorite horror movies are done by yeah. him. The thing yeah. in Halloween. Uh, but Wes Craven, I would say, is probably my favorite. I think Wes Craven was the horror director that made me realize what a director could do. Um in in creating like a stylized brand for themselves, um, and then obviously I saw Wes Anderson movies and was like, "Mother of God, um, mm-hmm. mm, it's always a West, isn't it?" Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I I fucking love Wes Craven. I love his movies. I actually was just going to dive into um, one of the movies I haven't seen of his, which is the. Serpent and the Rainbow. I've seen it's all like- right. It's it's pretty highly regarded. I think it's just okay, but people love it. It's uh, about voodoo. Yes, if you're into that. I've I've um I've seen parts of it, yeah. and I've talked and I've like watched like whatever documentaries I've seen about Wes Craven. Like they covered that movie, and it made me want to watch it. And I realized mm-hmm. that it's on Peacock, and I can watch it now. Um, so I think I'm probably gonna watch it because it's one of the few I haven't seen of his. But um, I'm familiar with the premise of it. Yeah. Uh, all that's to say is I am a Wes Craven fangirl. So. Um, yeah. I feel a good way to end this topic, too. Is, is a toothbrush with a notepad, Karen? No, it's a pen with a notepad. And the pen that's has a, a toothbrush with a notepad. Anyway, what are you saying? a big toothbrush. Yep. Um, we were talking about Wes Craven's family themes, and there is this quote from him. 
about the theme of family in his works, where he says, ideas that come out of families which are fractured or disturbed in some ways are the most profoundly terrifying things to me, and I've always felt that I was on solid ground when I was making movies about families. The first real terrors happened to us in the first five years of our lives, and that's where we are, in the middle of our family. Quite often for children, the most terrifying things are adults, and unfortunately, often it's the parents themselves that are the most frightening. Ooh. So I feel like that's a nice little bookend to what we yeah, use. true. Of the big uh, horror franchises, Nightmare is my favorite. And even though he only directed two of them, they're great. And But I also like all of them, including the not-so-great ones. So that is okay. But Freddy Krueger is my favorite of the big slashers. And Wes Craven created the character, so I mean. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I think Scream is a perfect movie beginning to end. Hey. Wait, Alex, I had a question for you. Um, yes. Where could you find us on social media if you were going to look for us? Uh, you could find us at on Twitter at Splatter underscore Brains, on Instagram at Splatter Brains Podcast. Uh, if you look for us on Facebook, you're living in the past, but we're there. Just look up Splatter Brains Podcast. Um, we have a Reddit page that you can talk to Brad on and only Brad. Uh, it's under Splatter Brains podcast, and uh, you can I, just be Brad talking to Brad. Yes, if you're Brad right now, do Brad things. I, <laughs> I want to do Brad things to you. That's a reference to last week's episode. Uh, <laughs> why did we say that during the episode? I'm disappointed in us. True blood, yeah, yeah dude. Yeah. That's very much a missed opportunity. That's fine. And then uh, lastly, if you would like to email us, you can email us at brainssplatter at gmail dot com. All one word. Brains is plural. Karen's um, favorite form of our social media. I'm going to say the one, no, no. the one piece of social media I have uh, any access to. <laughs> you can reach us on Carrier Pigeon at. I don't what? know. I got nothing. I was spooky to... butt road at and spooky butt road. Normal Illinois. Uh, <laughs> uh, and on that note, Wes Anderson farts. Even live